0: I think we need to get away from this feeling that writing needs to be formal. It can still be professional while it's conversational. So I think if you can lean into you and your own tone of voice, that's a great way to do it.
1: Do you love your business? You should, right? Well, sometimes we just don't. It's my hope that this, the My Daily Business Coach podcast, helps you regain a little of that lost love by providing tips and tactics, tools, insights, inspiration, all the good stuff to help you actually enjoy running your business. In addition to actionable tips and tactics that you'll be able to execute immediately, you'll also hear from creative small business owners around the world who've been able to sidestep the hustle and build a business that merges their passion with their purpose and provides a profit. I'm your host, Fiona Kalaki, founder of My Daily Business Coach. Let's get going. Hello, and welcome to episode 242 of the My Daily Business Coach podcast. Today, it is a small business interview episode, and this is a great one, especially if you are somebody who struggles with writing content. So if you are someone who sort of sits and stares at the screen or puts out emails that you feel a bit gross about, or maybe every time you post on social media, you're like, ugh and you really want to get more confident, it is definitely something that you're going to learn how to do and who to do it with in today's episode. But before we get stuck into that, I want to, of course, acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on this beautiful, beautiful land. I'm literally just looking up into gorgeous gum trees right now and looking at little rabbits and parrots working their way around the garden. And I'm so thankful that I get to live here and I'm so appreciative and respectful of the traditional custodians, which are the Wawarong and Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. All right, let's get into today's small business interview. All right. So if you are somebody who has ever struggled with your copy, then today's guest is just going to be a breath of fresh air and shed a lot of light on why that may be and kind of how do you get out of that mindset? How do you kind of go forward feeling really confident and clear about your message and your content? So my guest, as I said, is Emma McMillan and Emma is a really an educator, a copywriter, a copy coach, she's a podcast host, and she started her life in a completely different career. However, I do think that a lot of the skills and experiences from that career have brought her into where she is today and have allowed her to be so good at what she does. So, Emma and I first met, she came to me for coaching, and we worked together over the course of a few months, or I think it was 3 or 6 months, and we got to know each other and I got to know a lot more about her business and how she has Crafted her business to help so many business owners and bigger companies as well really understand how important their message is and how to really cut through and connect with their audience using the power of words. And as we go into today's episode, Emma then branched out into coaching because she saw so many people that actually want to create their own copy and want to do it for themselves, but just don't have the confidence or don't understand the frameworks or things like templates or other ways of conceptualizing what it is that they're trying to say in a way that then makes it feel enjoyable to do. So, Emma is on the show today to really talk about how she started her career and how she has switched from, you know, she's been in business the same amount of time that I have, and she has come from a different career. And so, what it was like to go from a really stable, steady income and a job that, you know, you've studied in, you've worked in for a considerable amount of time, and then move across to doing something completely by yourself. What was that like, and what are the lessons that she has learned, and what advice would she give to others? And we also talk about things like website copy and frameworks and how to get over you know your own stuff, how to get out of your head when it comes to connecting with your audience through words. So I know no matter where you are in your business, I know that you'll get so much out of today's chat with Emma. As I said, she's a teacher, she is an educator, she's a copywriter, she's a coach. She is a huge champion of small business, particularly creative small businesses as well. So if you want to connect with Emma after this, you can find out everything over at com, and also listen out to the end because Emma actually has a program running. I think it's right now you can apply for it. So you'll hear all about that in our chat. But here it is, my interview with Emma McMillan of Emma McMillan Copy. Hello, Emma. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Fiona. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. How are you feeling today? I know you've had a bit of a rough week. Where are you talking to us from?
0: Yes. So I'm talking to you from my beautiful home office in Melbourne, staring out the window at the first signs of spring, and mm. I can't wait to get back out into it once I get let out of isolation this Wednesday.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, you poor thing having COVID. Oh my God. What's that mean like?
0: Uh, Look, it's been a rough week, but it has just been actually a little bit of a chance to stop, which I don't give myself that often. So I'm trying to look at it from a
1: positive standpoint. Yeah, but look, it
0: was bound to happen eventually.
1: I haven't had it either. Although my sister's like, I reckon you've had it. You just didn't know. I feel like you and I might be some of the last people that have taken, like you've taken the whole two and a half years to get to this point of getting it.
0: I know. I know the anticipation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Was it like anticlimactic?
0: It was so anticlimactic, yeah.
1: Oh, God. (laughs) So, I have been fortunate to get to know you and kind of understand more about your business and who you are and why you started it. But for those who perhaps don't know about you or don't know, you know, Emma McNeil and Coppy, what is the business? Like, what's it all about and how and why and when did you start it?
0: Yeah. So the business has been around now since 2016, which I still kind of pinch myself when I realize how long it's been. And I work predominantly as a copy coach, a copywriting coach with small business owners and organizations, helping them to feel more confident about their copywriting. So I started back in 2016 as kind of a straight done for you copywriter. I had a previous career in education. So I was a high school teacher for about 12 years and then gradually the business has evolved over the years and the last couple of years I've really focused much more on my coaching offering and working one-on-one with people and in a group program setting predominantly. Just helping business owners to yeah understand why copy works, how copy works, how they can write it for their business, help to keep them accountable and yeah, just make them feel like copy is not something to be a as- you know, afraid of or scared of, because I don't think it needs to be. I think everybody can write better.
1: Oh my goodness. I love that. And, oh, it's such a needed thing. I think, you know, and we'll get into this in a minute, just how much people can be their own worst obstacle when it comes to copywriting. Cause we all tell ourselves, well, you know, you and I are writers, but I think that a lot of people tell themselves that it's really hard and that they could never do it and that they're crap writers or whatever else. But before we get into that, you touched on the fact that you were a teacher for 12 years. So it wasn't like you just did teaching for a year or two. That was a proper, you know, full-time career and you'd studied and everything else. And I often hear from people that they're they're worried about switching careers like you've done, but you've shown obviously, and especially with group coaching as well, that element of teaching and understanding and how to build even out a program, all of that would be, I'm guessing, you know, drawing on your previous career and utilizing heaps of skills that you got from teaching into what you do now. And so I'm just wondering if you had any mental blocks or if there was anything that kind of came up for you when you did start your business way back in 2016, same time as me, did you have to work through any of these? And I I guess really for anyone that's listening, even if they're in a business of their own but it's a particular career, and they actually want to shift into a totally different industry. Do you have any advice or anything from like, oh my gosh, it was you know a teaching career is stable, going into a small business which is which is really unknown?
0: Oh, yeah, look, there's so many, so many things that come up, and even you know hearing that question just sort of brings back that moment for me of feeling like I was so burnt out in my career. Uh, I loved aspects of it, but I was just totally exhausted by others. And I was just desperate for a change. But what I felt like I needed to do at that time was to actually just almost turn my back on it and head in a different direction. And for me, it was like I almost disowned it for a while while I was trying to establish myself in a new career. I just didn't necessarily see all the transferable skills that obviously now, you know, there are so many that I'm using but I also think I just wanted to carve out this new identity for myself. And so I I really did kind of create a whole separate, yeah, whole separate identity for myself in in this new business. But I guess the past six years has been a process of almost coming back to myself and almost coming back to understanding that there was so much value in what I already knew. And I guess now I'm just really starting to tap back into what those things are and You know, I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't there through my copywriting in the early days. You know, I'm a project manager from way back. I used to mount these ridiculously huge school productions each year. So I know how to plan out, you know, six months of the year working backwards, you know, to put on a a huge, big show. So, Things like um, managing client projects and deadlines and things like that, you know, that comes so easily to me in terms of stakeholder management and client relationships. I mean, as a teacher, you're talking to hundreds of people a day. So it's just, there were so many things that I could take, you know, clear communication, how to impart information, all those things. But it was also important to me that I, yeah, spent some time reflecting on who am I now? What do I want to do now? And focus on the building. I don't necessarily think that was the best way to go about it. And I don't necessarily think I'd suggest that to other people. I think if you can find a way to acknowledge where you've come from and help to bring it into where you're going to start with, I think that might feel nicer. But for me, I did need to have that separation and have that break before I found my love for those bits again.
1: Oh my goodness. So many pieces of advice there. And I like that you said you wouldn't do it the same way maybe again. And that, you know, it's sometimes is not necessarily a separation of who we were, but just a further expansion of who we are in total, taking in all of those things. And oh my goodness, school productions. Whoa. (laughs) My son is in (laughs) primary school and his school, the production is just it's a month, it's a whole year that they're planning for this, you know, one or three nights really of, of doing these productions. How did you go? Like, how did you de-stress? Because they look so stressful from the outside, let alone doing that. Like, whoa.
0: Yeah. They're epic. I mean, look, it was my favourite part of the job, but it was the most stressful part. i not going to lie. And, you know, wearing all the hats from director to choreographer to producer some years and, coordinating people to help with all the bits and pieces and the costumes and painting sets. And, I mean, put it this way, I think that sort of career is great to have before you have a young family, you know, when you don't mind as much sacrificing your Sundays or your evenings to rehearsals and things like that. But for me, I'd gotten to the point where I was about to start my family and I thought, I just don't think this kind of really intense co-curricular kind of, teaching role. For me, I was, you know, head of a drama and dance department. So, you know, it was all of those out of hours things that played such a big role in what I did. And it just didn't feel like it was going to be conducive to family life. So that was one of the big reasons. And my body was getting tired, you know, I was in my early thirties, which, you know, doesn't necessarily (laughs) seem that advanced, but when you've been on your feet teaching all those years, Mm. it's really physical and it is tiring.
1: Oh my goodness. And especially, was it prime? it's primary school that you were at? Secondary, secondary. school. Oh yeah. my God. Even, I was going to say even worse, <laughs> but not, but like, you've got all these attitudes from people as well. And they're trying to go through all their hormones and oh my gosh, I really, I feel for you. I feel for you. My goodness. I was just thinking primary school was like hardcore enough, but secondary you'd have, and you'd have people's like hopes as well of being a singer or being a dancer or, you know, it's, it's less maybe mm. fun like it is in primary school versus, in you know, it might be something taken a lot more seriously in high school.
0: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a bit of everything. Mm. Yeah.
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so back to your non-dancing, singing. I mean, you're still, you know, doing amazing things in your business, but taking away that kind of drama dance part of it. Coming back to kind of words. So obviously you're a copy coach and you work with people to empower them to create their own content and words are something, I think, many people overthink or doubt themselves with, as I said before. and But it's also an area that many people also think that they they should be able to do, like should inverted commas, or they can do from an early age with taught how to write in class. Like I know my nine-year-old is doing heaps of writing at the moment from like instructional text through to fiction and creative writing. And so with this in mind, like how do you move small business owners from that mindset of like it's just right, just. And I say this because I've been a writer for a long time as well. So it's not in any derogatory way, but people do sometimes think, well, I should just be able to do it myself. Like I can write, so let me just write. And then they spend way too long with this kind of crappy copy that doesn't make them feel excited, doesn't make their clients feel excited. And we know, you know, words can have massive power and can see, major change when small business owners focus in on like, what are you trying to say? And how do you get it across in all elements of their business? So I'd just love to know what sort of changes have you seen for your clients, particularly copy coaching clients where they have really focused in on getting the language right or, or understanding what their message is in? How has that like helped their business?
0: Yeah. And it's such an interesting thing that you say. And I mean, even someone like me who studied creative writing at uni and, you know, taught English as well, you know, I I still have these moments where, you know, I doubt myself. And so I can understand where people that self-doubt comes in for the people who are really doubting themselves or the fact that, you know, we're all taught to write at school. So yeah, we, we should all be able to write. And yes, we can all write. But I think the difficult thing for some people to understand is that, you actually kind of need that distance from your copy um, to understand how it actually works. I mean, words are not the same as copywriting. And so copywriting is obviously to, you know, to convert someone to sell something. It's not the same as sitting and writing, you know, an English essay, for example. Mm -hmm. So even if you could do that or you could sit and write some poetry, it doesn't necessarily mean you can write converting words on a page. And I think it sometimes takes that bouncing around of ideas to help people kind of get, take a step back, I suppose, from themselves and their own business to think about what actually do my clients need to hear? You know, not necessarily what do I want to write, but what's actually, who am I talking to? and creating that distance. And often that's one of the most valuable things that comes out of working with clients, either in a one-on-one or a group coaching scenario is actually getting people to think like, A, you know, how are my clients consuming my content? Where are they consuming my content? What kind of people are they? What kind of, you know, time do they have? What sort of things do they like to read? And so on. You can sort of go down to, to you know the smallest level of detail in terms of maybe some people naturally have a tendency to write really long sentences. But you know, if all you write on your website are long sentences, you know, that's just going to not be something that really connects with your audience because what people need to see is they need to see short, sharp, punchy writing, they need to see lots of white space because long sentences that cover a website are just not going to get read, consumed, or, you know, you're not going to build that connection with your audience. So it's about sometimes understanding what your writing patterns are that you kind of default to and how can we work with those or how can we tweak those so that you actually can see what it is that you're doing and then start to replicate some different sorts of habits. So it might be a matter of, okay, so what you're saying here is a strong message but instead of two long sentences, what happens if you break it up into five or six shorter sentences, or what happens if you take it and you convert it into bullet points with a really strong headline? You know so sometimes it's not the message that's a problem, it's the way that it's structured, or sometimes the structure's working, but maybe the message isn't clear. And so then I might encourage people say to, look at you know, client testimonials or client reviews, things that their clients actually say about them. And we actually try and weave those words into the copy. Because if you think about it, if you're a small business owner and you're trying to you know, get more of the same clients into your ecosystem, why would you not use the language that your favourite clients use to talk about you to draw new clients in? You know, these clients of yours they can explain what it's like to work with you. They can explain the outcome of working with you in a way that you can't necessarily because you don't have that objectivity. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it completely makes sense. It makes so much sense. And yeah, I think it's such a good way to even have somebody change or reframe the way that they're thinking about this to even think like, oh, well, I've got heaps of testimonials. Yes, that's a really practical thing that I could do. Or when you said, you know, breaking it in or like chunking it into like bullet points or or breaking it down. And it's not all always about rewriting everything, which might seem very overwhelming to people, especially if they've been in business for some time as well. And on that note, I guess a lot of people at the moment are feeling very, very burnt out. We're seeing so many, you know, so many news articles about it. And even though it feels like everyone should feel better because we're kind of coming out of, or, you know, things are opening up a lot more in the pandemic than it has been for the last two and a half years. And I'm just wondering if people are listening to this and they're thinking, okay, that sounds good, but I'm just like, where's my motivation to even get started on this? Or I should, I should fix it, but, you know, I should empower myself to be better at this. But I just, don't have any like, you know, mojo to get up and do it. Or Or on the flip side, which you sort of touched on for people who've maybe been told, like if you, if you've studied creative writing and you've been an English teacher and I've seen, you know, your writing is amazing, Emma, as you would expect in somebody who runs your type of business. And I have been in writing for a long time, a journalist. So I'm guessing that both of us were told you're pretty good writers at school, but a lot of people listening may have sucked at English class. <laughs> and so they're thinking well, that's fine, but I can't even string a sentence together. What advice would you give to them or how might even working with a copy coach help them?
0: Yeah, so if you're feeling like you're really lacking in confidence, I would say that there's a couple of good things you can do to start. And one of them is maybe just to start by looking around and seeing what resonates for you out of the things that you're consuming. So when you get in, you know, emails into your inbox, What grabs your attention? What's a great subject line? What's an email that gets you to keep reading? And trying to think, what is it about that that's appealing to me? Or if you're scrolling your social feed, maybe just instead of scrolling, actually saving or screenshotting posts that maybe resonate with you or that you think, I like the style of that, to just kind of get some inspiration. Because sometimes the problem is that, you know, you're so far, like your head is down in your own stuff. And it's like you don't have enough creative inputs from outside. And so you sort of run out of ideas. And so that can be a really helpful way just to remind yourself of like, oh, that's a way to do things. Oh, that's a way to do things. You know, another thing I suggest to my clients, which they love, especially people who, you know, find it hard to start the actual first sentence, for example, I say, just take yourself for a walk and use your voice memos on your phone and literally just record yourself. Saying some stuff. And I think all copies should be conversational anyway. But I think what's really nice about recording your voice is that it actually is recording you in conversation. And so often it comes out in a way that feels really natural. You know, sometimes people have got what they create in their heads and it maybe doesn't come out on the page. And, you know, my husband says this to me all the time. He says, I can say it in a really, you know, informal kind of conversational way, but when I go to write it, it feels all formal. And it, it's funny because it's almost like we put these things that we've been taught, we overlay them over like our natural tendency. And sometimes it's just, it doesn't help the copy to come out in a way that feels like us. So I think that voice record is a really nice way to actually get it down in a way that feels like you and then use that as your basis for, say, your social post or your next newsletter or even if you're writing your About page, you know, so that it feels more conversational and natural. I think we need to get away from this feeling that writing needs to be formal. It can still be professional while it's conversational. So I think if you can lean into you and your own tone of voice, that's a great way to do it. I encourage clients as well to create like a word bank. So for instance, it's it's kind of thinking about your tone of voice and words that you say and words that you don't say. For instance, like, you know, I don't use a lot of exclamation marks or fab, amazing, things like that in my copy. But for like some me. people, that's really on brand. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. So I think it's about staying true to who you are and your brand. And if you've actually got, you know, a little word bank next to where you work that reminds you of words that you use, you know, commonly and that you can kind of come back to to anchor yourself if you're feeling like you're wandering off on a tangent or words where you're like, no, that's really not on brand for me. It just doesn't sound like me. I think that sort of thing can be helpful as well.
1: Oh my goodness. I can just hear people scribbling down all of these things to, to like so many good ideas there. Sorry to put you on the spot, but I've got a question. It just thought of it as you were talking about, you know, just being really natural and recording yourself. And I'm I'm all about voice memos and voice notes and voice to text. But I'm wondering, like, say someone is rebranding or not even rebranding, say they are just sick of their, their tone. So I have one client I'm thinking of and they have gone down a path of, you know, they got somebody else to do their copy years and years and years and years ago. And I think they were kind of maybe a little bit worried about how they would sound. So it did come across very formal and very kind of, I don't, I mean, I definitely, I'm not trying to make anyone guess who this person is. So it just came out in a way that they're not necessarily happy with. And now they want to move in a different direction and be more Normal, you know, more casual and more conversational, but but they're worried about we've sort of built this tone and now we're kind of shifting. Is there any any advice, or do you have any clients that work with you in in coaching where they have had a particular tone and now it's changing things up? I mean, even just because you know you and I both have young children, things change over time. The way you speak in a certain you know part of your life it changes again a certain part of your life. So is it the same with business? Can you change your tone and it's okay?
0: Yes. And I think you should. I think you're right. Everything evolves. And I think you don't even need to necessarily acknowledge it. I think it's just a matter of like stepping into however it evolves. And the people who resonate with that will come along for the ride. And the people who don't might drop away, but that's okay because perhaps they're no longer your audience if that tone doesn't resonate with them. If anything, it sounds to me as though this would be a great move for this client of yours because it It would come much more naturally to them to speak in a slightly evolved tone of voice that's more, you know, conversational and in their natural way of communicating anyway. So I think absolutely, we should all, you know, just check ourselves occasionally. And so from tone of voice, but also in terms of what we talk about in our business as well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm following someone who had a baby last year sometime. And so a lot of the content that's coming out now, you know, is has got a bit of a baby spin on it. And she's very openly said, you know, if this isn't resonating, that's okay. Like this is going to be a part of what I talk about. Not everything is going to be baby related. It's still going to be business related. But, you know, we don't shouldn't have to sort of cut off parts of our lives. It's, you know, it's our business. We're free to talk about what we choose to talk about. If we don't want to talk about things as well, that's that's our business too. But I think not to be afraid of pleasing our customers out there, you know. I think the best thing we can continue to do is to talk like to one singular person every time we write a piece of copy, just to imagine one person in our audience who we know will read it and have them in our minds. And I think that's the most helpful thing that we can do rather than trying to imagine all of our audience at once or all of our database or whoever, just picturing that person, whether it be you know, a biz bestie or someone like that who's going to be on the other end reading that and write for them. That's what I would do.
1: Oh, so much good advice there. And I love that you said some people might drop off, but they're not for you. So I know like I run a Sunday email and whenever I have talked about death, which of course people are like, it's small business. Why are we getting an email about death? The email's not all about death, but you know, I've gone through a lot of loss with both my parents passing away. And I just feel like every single time I will get more unsubscribes than normal, but I will also on the flip side, get way more replies from people who've also gone through this or people who are going through it or people who are like, thank you for mentioning this. Or, so I just think you've got to be okay with taking that step and being like, like that person that you're following with the baby, like this is part of my life now and you're going to hear about it. So, so yeah, I'm not going to, you know, compartmentalize every single part of my life.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you know, consider which metrics actually mattered to you. And I'm the same. I'd rather lose a few people from my email list who don't like what I'm speaking about, but know that so many people are writing back saying, oh my gosh, this really resonated, you know. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm, So much. And so I know another part of your business, and of course we'll link to all your website and your Instagram and everything on the show notes, but another part of your business is website audits. And obviously you're working with people a lot you know, in today's life of having website content and everything else. And so it's funny because, as I've mentioned, I've been a journalist for 22 years and a writer and all of that stuff. And I know that a lot of people are, especially when they're starting a business, so concerned with how things look, as in the visuals, and they will pour money into the graphics and the visuals and what does the website look like as opposed to necessarily how does it function or what does the language say or how is the the copy being used here to convert people like you say. And I'm just wondering as somebody in this space, are there kind of firstly key elements of a website that small business owners should focus on from a copy perspective, but also like how do you go about really encouraging people to spend to invest in really their copy because it's a huge part of the business. It's the I often say to people, that is what the, the last pin before people purchase from you is what they're reading most of the time. Like, yes, they can look at the beautiful photos, but they also need to look at the information to see that it's a right fit for them. And I don't think if you were to look at all small business owners across the board, I would say that more probably do pour money into how it looks rather than the copy and the content, if that makes sense. So how do you encourage people to- to look at it like that, something you know, worth investing in.
0: Ah, oh, yes, and I love my graphic design and website design friends dearly. But yes,
1: yes, me too. I'm married to one, of two of my best <laughs> friends a graphic designers, <laughs> website designers. So I totally Hav- get a it. Yet, super important. A yes. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, it is important. But you know, we're all important, and I think it's interesting that you sort of bring this up because I think what's happened over the past six years is I've noticed a big change, and in many ways. This is what's facilitated the growth of the copy coaching as a service, because when I first started, it really was an afterthought for a lot of people. And I literally would still get that question: "Oh, copywriter, like, is that copyright? Like, you know, trademarks and stuff." Oh. I mean, I haven't had that question for years. So what that shows me is actually that people are becoming more. I guess, attuned to what the benefits of good copywriting are. They're understanding the value and they are placing more importance on it when it comes to the overall brand, which is really exciting. So I think it's moving in the right direction. But oh my goodness, I see so many things, you know, on a daily basis that make me cringe. And I just think there are so many easy fixes that small business owners can do without having to necessarily go back to the drawing board. And that's why I do have the website copy audits. Because I think, you know, yes, while I could, you know, coach you through fixing those if that's what you want to do as well, there are some times where it's just like, it's just, you know, a series of things that you could probably work through on your own. So, I mean, things like making sure that every page has got a call to action. You'd be amazed at how many people feel like, you know, they don't need a call to action or they need 10 or, you know, we need to help people understand what it is that we want them to do next. And the easiest way to do that is with a really clear call to action on each page. You know, as I mentioned earlier, lots of people will go for giant slabs of text. So being able to break that up in terms of strong headlines, impactful subheads, bullet points, leaving lots of white space. Don't be afraid of the white space. When it comes to about pages, images of you or your business, help create a human to human connection. That's so important. One of the things that a lot of small business owners particularly struggle with, again, which is a really easy flip once you can see it, is changing to customer-focused language. So rather than saying, you know, I'll do this or we'll do this for you, it's more about this is what you'll get from the process or you'll discover this or you'll learn this. or So it's about flipping it to language that actually speaks to your client rather than at them. So there are all sorts of things like this that are really sort of easy fixes some of the time that don't necessarily require a rewriting of everything.
1: Mm, oh, my goodness. So many ideas and just reframes. I think that's what people need sometimes, just a, a framework, like you've just mentioned, you know, reframing it, putting it back on, like, what do they need and and thinking about that journey and what, you know, where are they going? And I totally agree. There's so many dead ends on websites that seem really obvious once you say it to somebody, but And again, I guess it comes back to like, you know, sometimes these beautiful websites that again, I'm not bagging out graphic designers or website designers, but sometimes I'll say, but how do I get in touch with you? So if I, you know, if I think your folio is incredible, like where am I going next? And it can be a really small thing, just putting like a hyperlink or one one line of text and getting people to be able to continue their journey with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's often about thinking when's the last time you sat in front of your website and looked at it as if you were one of your own prospects? So actually thinking about, yeah, what is the customer journey here? If they were to come in on my homepage, you know, does that clearly direct them in all the different directions that I want to send people? Or if they land on my about page, does it really clearly have a USP, you know, who you do, what you do it for, how you do it differently? What do people need to know about the process of working with you? You know, is it all there? So putting yourself in the shoes of your prospect, how will I contact you? Is it there? Is it clear? Is it book a call? Is it submit a contact form? Like what's the process? You can also do a swap with like a business friend and have each other look at each other's sites and see, you know, are there any glitches? It's a good idea to once a month even get someone to test your contact form, make sure it's working, things like that. So you can always do that um, in partnership with someone else and they can be a little accountability buddy.
1: Mm, I love that. And speaking of accountability, so you run one-on-one and group coaching programs, and obviously you're a mentor for many people and creating, you know, helping them create these beautiful sites, but not just sites, you know, their emails, all of their content, you know, direct mail, other things. Have you had any mentors or um, are there? Is there a particular mantra you live by or is there a book that just blew you away and has really helped you with your business?
0: Oh, yes. I mean, look, so many mentors along the way, just almost innumerable, but I do have a few books that I'll call out. And one of them, if you're at all interested in any kind of writing or copywriting is Stephen King on writing. Have you read it, Fiona?
1: Yes, I have. I have a copy of that. And actually somebody gave that to me before I started a business, just saying it's such a good book just in general about writing. And yeah, I do. I have that. It's a little book as well in comparison. If everyone's thinking, oh, Stephen King, it's going to be like 500 pages. It's not.
0: Oh, and I've never read another Stephen King book. Like I'm not interested in horror kind of the genre, <laughs> but he, he has some excellent ideas about, you know, basically how to just start with writing And often I'll pull little things from it or ideas inspired by it, you know, with my groups. I'll encourage them to do something like set a timer just for five minutes and just get yourself on a roll with writing and then see where it goes. Or what happens if you added say the five senses for instance into your email and so you brought in something about what you could smell or what you could taste or what you could feel or see or hear into some of your writing to kind of help lift it if it's feeling a little bit flat like there's lots of different little writing techniques that that you can get and some of those are in are in that book and some of those are just sort of inspired by things that are in there too Another book I have read that I loved was Atomic Habits, and I'm all about a bit of habit mm. stacking. Mm-hmm. What else? Oh, I read Big Magic every year. That's always oh, a great one. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gilbert. Gilbert. Yep. Yes. It just reminds me to tap into my creativity. And one that I actually am due for a reread, I reckon, is This Is Marketing, Seth Godin, and I'm sure mm-hmm. that you've probably read that one. yes. yes just really helped me to kind of deconstruct marketing into something that feels really achievable, not something that needs to feel totally overwhelming and like something that's just for marketing people to get their head around.
1: Yeah. And, and on that Seth, for anyone who doesn't, who doesn't know Seth Godin, (laughs) he's like a marketing guru, but he, he also has a Seth's blog and he sends out an email every single day. And sometimes it's like, three lines and sometimes it's like 30 and they're just quick two minute reads. And I even think that as a form of content and marketing is just so good. Like I am sometimes like, God, how does he do that every single day? And I'm sure he batch creates, but yeah, I just think sometimes when we think about copy you know, we forget that there's so many ways to do it. It doesn't have to be in a particular format or anything else. I just love that if you're interested in, if you've read This Is Marketing or now you're going to read it because Emma suggested it, maybe also get onto his email because it's so, they're just uh, random thoughts on all sorts of things, but they're always good.
0: I think he's onto something, you know, because honestly, the more you write, the more you write Mm -hmm. and there's no way around that. And so, I used to have a monthly newsletter and then I recently kind of converted it to a fortnightly newsletter. And then I realized that I've wanted to send it out every week because it's like the more I got into the habit of doing it, the more I had things to say. And that happens to my clients all the time is that once they just start committing to the practice of writing regularly, it gets so much easier and the ideas just come. Whereas if you just put it off and put it off and put it off, you'll be stuck and you'll just keep going around in these circles and making it a bigger hurdle to jump over. So my best tip is just to start writing for five minutes a day, write anything, write a grocery list or write, you know, (laughs) a note to your partner or write, write whatever. Creativity begets creativity.
1: Oh, I could not agree more. I literally was just thinking of this yesterday because we had somebody on the podcast a while ago, Lauren from Sasala, and she was talking about how she got her column in the design files. She's an interior designer and educator. And she was saying, but I'd been writing a blog for years before that. So she's like, you know, it didn't just happen overnight, but also when, when people did come calling, I had all this content and I had a practice of of writing quickly and to be able to pull that together. And she was saying that really, really helped. So yeah, don't don't wait for some big thing, just start writing, right? Write your grocery list and make it beautiful, <laughs> as Emma's just said. And so likewise, have you got any apps or or platforms or kind of tech tools that have totally helped you build the business since you started? Well, I
0: do love to organize myself in Google Drive. I'm a massive content repurposer as well. So I like to keep a really good track of, you know, where all of my bits and pieces are so I can pull them out and reuse them in other ways for other platforms and so on. So I used to write a blog regularly. I have have fallen a bit off that, but that's because I replaced that with my podcast last Yay. November, which has been coming out weekly since then. So that's kind of my main source of regular content. And then from there, I repurpose a lot for, you know, my newsletter and socials and things like that. And so, yeah, my Google Drive and my folder structure there <laughs> is everything to me. My OBM and I use Airtable to kind of schedule our content, which has been a really good one. It's set out like a Google Sheet if you don't know it, but it's got also a, a space where you can add an image and you can kind of toggle to communicate with one another between different steps in the process. So it notifies you when the other person has got something ready for you and so on, which is quite handy what else? I love all my, you know, my zero, my accounting software, anything that makes my life easier, my acuity for my scheduling. I wouldn't dream of trying to set up an appointment with someone, you know, by email anymore. When are you free? Or what about these times, you know, back Mm -hmm. and forth. So yeah, things like that. But it's also really important to me to still have a really personal element to my business. So whilst I love an automation, I also am very big on, client contact too, which is why I try not to spread myself too thin. I'd love to, you know, I like to know the people in my ecosystem and in my programs and so on quite intimately so I can give them that personalized attention too. Oh
1: my goodness. And so what are you most proud of from your journey in business so far? I'm so excited
0: that I've had a totally different career, you know, in my late thirties and early forties that I couldn't have even dreamt of 10 years ago. I mean, I I just couldn't have foreseen what has unfolded. The people that I've met, the connections that I've made, the clients that I've impacted. There's ups and downs, there's peaks and troughs, there's, you know, tough days, there's, you know, things that don't go to plan, there's all that stuff. But gosh, I wouldn't go back and work for someone else again. (laughs) So I'm so proud to have, you know, created a business where I'm in charge.
1: Oh, I hear you. I'm like high fiving you from here. (laughs) Same. And so if people are listening to this and they are thinking, oh my goodness, I want to be part of the group coaching program or what's her podcast or where can people connect with you? I know this podcast will come out at the end of September. So yeah, what's next for you? And and how can people find you?
0: Yes. So my group program is called the Co-Writing Content Crew. And we have the next round kicking off on October the 14th. So the doors. Are possibly open or about to be open to that right now. But if not, you can join the wait list. So I'm sure Fiona will put the link to that in the show notes. We sure will. My website is com. The podcast is called Not Just About Copy. And that's a weekly podcast that alternates between a conversation one week with someone fabulous and a copy coaching tip from me every other week. And on socials, Instagram, you can find me at Emma McMillan copy. And I would love to connect with you if that sounds like your kind of thing.
1: Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I hope you get out of ISO soon and that you feel a lot better. But yeah, it's been my pleasure to talk to you, Emma.
0: Oh, thanks so much for having me, Fiona. I've loved it. Bye. Bye.
1: So I know that for many people listening, they'll be like taking a bunch of notes, thinking, oh my goodness, maybe maybe I could be okay at copywriting. Maybe I could figure this stuff out. Maybe I could get some coaching and really feel more confident with where you're going. So if that is you, please get in touch with Emma. I'm sure that actually, I think right now she is launching the eight week live co-writing content crew. And yeah, if you have Really been sitting on your content for a while or thinking, i just like to get better at it and I'd love to do that in a supportive, you know, crew, then definitely check that out. You can find all the information over at Emma Macmillan Copy, and it's E-L-M-A-M-C-M-I-L-L-A-N Copy.com. We'll link to that in the show notes. But yeah, I would love to know what you took away from today's chat with Emma on all things content and how to get your message across. I know it can be a really, really tricky thing to get right, especially if you're working by yourself and you have no one to kind of bounce ideas off, which I think is a perfect reason why anyone would join the co-writing content crew. But yeah, I would love to know what you took away from that. Of course, I will highlight two things that really stood out to me amongst many that Emma chatted about. And that is the use of voice notes for natural tone. It is something I have talked about on this podcast a few times, and it's something I use all that time, particularly if I'm writing my Sunday emails, I will often use my voice to text. What do you call it? App? No, tool. (laughs) Tool, I would say, on the notes app on my phone. So if you're new to that, you can definitely just have a look on your phone. You can do it, I mean, if it's safe to do so, have a look whilst we are actually on this podcast episode. And when you look at your keyboard on a phone, you'll usually see a little mic button. And if you tap that while you're in a notes app or in any kind of app where you can type, it'll just It'll literally dictate what you are saying. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, what do I want to say about this new collection? You can maybe just sit there for a while and imagine that somebody has just interviewed you and they've said, you know, tell us all about this new collection. Where did you come up with it? What's the inspiration? And then you just talk, just talk naturally. And quite often, what you've got there, once you've talked for, you know, a little while, is a couple of paragraphs that you can then separate, like Emma said, chunk them up, put them in some into bullet points, put You know, them, however you want to format them, but it'll come across so much more natural than if you sit in front of a computer screen trying to get every single word that you're typing correct or, you know, perfect. The other thing that I loved that she talked about was this concept of repelling and attracting. And it is something I see all that time in my own content. I see it with, you know, other people's content. And we've all felt it. We've all seen somebody's ad or email or a blog or a social media post, and we've thought, oh, not for me. That is just not for me. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not everything, you know, not everyone's going to like what everyone else puts out and vice versa. Not everyone's going to like what you put out. And you've just got to be okay with that. The right people are going to love what you put out and you're going to attract those, which are the people that you want to work with. And they're the customers and clients and suppliers and other such people that you need in your business that you're going to get on with most, where you're really... In synergy with each other. And because equally, just as we've been repelled by other people's content, there'll be other content that people put out that we just love. And we're like, oh my gosh, that is so funny. Or that is so on point. Or that is exactly how I feel. And that that resonates with us and that creates a connection. And you've just got to remember that when you're writing, don't try and be so vanilla that it's just, it's it's tolerable for everyone. You don't want anything to be tolerable. You want people to love what you're putting out. Or equally, if they don't like it and it's not for them to switch off so that your pool of your audience are really engaged and you're not having a whole bunch of people there who really couldn't be bothered listening to what you have to say. So I love that concept. Don't be afraid to repel people because by repelling people, you are also attracting people. As crazy as that might sound. So as I said, you can find out everything about Emma, including her copy coaching and all sorts of other services that she runs, the website audits and other things over at emmamcmillancopy.com. If you want to get social with Emma, you can find her on Instagram at emmamcmillancopy.com all one word. And of course, I'm sure she would love to hear from you. And if you're interested in diving into copywriting in more detail and all sorts of things around that, you can find Emma's podcast wherever you usually listen. And it's called Not Just About Copy. And so the links to all of those places will be included in our podcast show notes, which you'll find at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash podcast forward slash 242 as this is episode 242. And if you found this useful, I would love it so much if you could leave us a review. It just really helps this podcast get found by other small business owners. And who knows, maybe they really need to work on their copy right now or their confidence. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Daily Business Coach podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can do that at mydailybusinesscoach.com or hit me up on Instagram at mydailybusinesscoach.